Well, I know we have a business session later tonight, and so I don't want to be lengthy, but I do want us to think for a few minutes. We've been looking on Sunday nights about discipleship and um, talked about God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, Revelation, um, the end of times, all, all things about doctrine. And I just want to say a word about prayer tonight and just encourage you in your prayer life. And, and, and listen, a preacher is preaching to himself too, so you can always tell what a preacher's weaknesses are by what they talk about. And so I'm preaching to myself when I'm preaching to you. I want you to know I realize that. The model prayer, we usually call the Lord's Prayer. Actually, the Lord's Prayer is in uh, John um, where he prays. But this is more the model prayer or the sample prayer because in Luke chapter 11, his disciples come and say, Lord, teach us to pray. And this is the prayer he gives them. So it kind of gives an outline, a, a skeleton, a framework to guide you in your own prayer life. And so I want to look at that in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, verses 7 through 13. In praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then some translations add, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Bow with me. Father, as we come to consider this prayer that Jesus gave his disciples when they asked to be taught how to pray, help this prayer so be planted and rooted in our hearts that when we pray, a similar pattern will come forth. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not an expert on prayer, but I do get the feeling that a lot of folks would like some help when it comes to praying. A lot of Christians still pray like they did when they were children. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with a child's prayers. In fact, most children put us to shame when they pray with their honesty and their deep trust. Paul said, when I was a child, I Spoke like a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. So I think there are ways we can grow in our prayer lives. And what I want us to think about briefly here this evening is how we can develop a prayer life that will mature us in our Christian faith. The first thing is this. I want you to know that prayer doesn't just happen. Prayer is a decision. In Luke's version of the model prayer, chapter 11, verse 1, it says he was praying in a certain place, which means that Jesus had a specific pattern of praying. It was conscious and intentional. There may be a lot of things in your prayer life um, that happen, a lot of things that happen in your life accidentally, but prayer is not one of them. You know, there are a lot of spur of the moment prayers like, God, help me. Lord, have mercy. Why me, Lord? Those are just outburst prayers. But they're, they're more occasional. They occur under special occasions, uh, under certain events. 
but no one would consider them the fruit of a mature prayer life. And so what I want you to think about, Jesus says, when you pray, um, he didn't just find himself somewhere and then suddenly feel the urge to pray. That's a problem. We base too much of it on feeling and not enough on decision. The Bible never once said that Jesus felt like praying. He just prayed. He had a pattern. He went to a certain time and a certain place in order to pray. So prayer won't just happen for us any more than it did for Jesus. And how much, well, when you stop and think about it, how much of it in your life has really accomplished as a result of, of just circumstances? Everything is a result of a definite decision, taking time and effort and discipline. The course of your life is no accident. And the same is true in your spiritual life. It doesn't just happen. So when you decide you're going to do something about it, do what is necessary to accomplish a certain goal you set for yourself, then prayer is a part of that. There was a story in Reader's Digest a long time ago about a woman who didn't have time to pray. And so she decided to do something about it. She started getting up a little earlier each morning, went to a particular room, sat in a particular chair, and just waited on God. Nothing much happened at first. But she kept on getting up and kept waiting because she had made a commitment to do so and set a goal of giving it a certain time frame. And eventually, though, something began to happen. The time and place began to be filled with a presence and then a peace and then a sense of holiness. And she prayed every morning, not because she just happened to get up early one morning and stumbled over him, but because she got up early every morning and waited on him. She obeyed the words the Bible says, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. She got up and she waited and God showed up. Now, I want to clear up one, mis there are a lot of misunderstandings about prayer. A lot of people pray in the morning. This woman in Reader's Digest prayed in the morning and many spiritual giants down through the ages have prayed in the morning. Martin Luther got up early one morning and said, I have so much to do today, I just have to spend an extra hour with God in prayer. And so we spent three hours in prayer instead of only two. I say this because it's not important when you pray, when you spend time with God. Maybe your best time is in the evening. Everything is quiet. Maybe the children are in bed. But the important thing is that you do have a time to pray, when and where. And then when you do it, you stick to it because it becomes the most important part of your day. And a good prayer takes some time. You don't need two or three hours like Martin Luther or like this woman, but you need more than two or three minutes. Jesus took time to pray, and that's why he got up early in the morning. He didn't squeeze prayer in between appointments or certain other responsibilities in his busy day. It, it didn't happen for Jesus on the Jericho Road or in the busy marketplace of Capernaum. Prayer takes time. Why not? Why shouldn't it? Have you ever accomplished anything worthwhile in life that didn't take time? So if everything meaningful in life takes time, why should prayer and a growing relationship with God be any different? It's a decision. Certain time, certain place. He was praying, he went to a certain place, and his disciples came to him and asked him a question. Lord, teach us to pray. So the disciples respected Jesus' prayer. And they waited until he was finished before they asked him, teach us how to pray.
So it begins with a decision. But what about the mechanics of it? How should I pray? What should I pray? The first thing I want you to see about the Lord's Prayer is that it begins with God, not the person doing the praying. It focuses on God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you pray, I want you to do a little test. See how long you go before you use the words I, me, or my. Before it becomes a first person personal pronoun. We might give a quick nod to God, but then get right down to what we really want to talk about ourselves. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus never started a prayer by saying, God, I want you to do this right now for me. So why do we begin with prayer? With God? It's not because God needs it or requires it. I think we begin with God because we need it. We need to realize who we're meeting with and gain a new perspective on the scheme of things. I remember reading a story about Teddy Roosevelt. You know, he spent a lot of time camping outdoors. He loved the outdoors. He loved the national parks. And every night at bedtime, he had a particular practice. He would get outside of his tent and look up at, at the stars and the skies and the heavens and catch the glimmer of some faraway star the moon's reflection, the expanse of the evening sky, and all of nature's nighttime beauty in general. And after he had taken it all in with a great big sigh of relief, Roosevelt would say, now I can rest. I've been reminded of how great God is. You see, he took a few moments just to remind himself, just to take his eyes off of himself and put them on God. And when he did that, he realized how great God is and it changed how he saw his own life. It changed his own perspective. And sometimes I think we believe God is just too little. Part of the reason we become so overwhelmed with our problems and our issues and our situation is because we don't see God in the picture. We just don't see how great he is. We don't take time to think about how much he loves us and all that he's provided for us and the strength he's given us thus far in the journey. So we need to remember that the God we pray to is the God that has gotten us thus far, the God who got the Hebrew people out of Egypt, the God who brought Jesus up from the grave. We're not spending time with a, a, a dictator who was choreographing our moves or some capricious prankster that we have to try to second guess and figure out before he spins us for a loop. But he's the God who made us and saved us and loves us and who was there unconditionally for us and to know that, to really know that down deep, to feel that every time we pray, we can give depth and meaning and blessing to our prayer lives and to our daily lives beyond prayer because God is great. The second part of the Lord's Prayer, though, it begins with God, but then it's, it's very practical. It includes our world. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. It's just a, a whole gathering of concerns. The food we need, the sins we commit, our need to forgive others and, and ask for others to forgive us, the temptations we face, the evil that's in the world around us. It's just practical things. It's inclusive and involves the things we ordinarily 
that we ordinarily do something about getting food, forgiving others, but it also includes things we're dependent on, resisting temptation, making sense out of this world that's so evil around us. It can involve a number of things. It's like the hymn we sing, just take it to the Lord in prayer. And, you know, I heard somebody say one time, well, I don't want to bother God with that. And I, I want to say, why not? You're not bothering God. If it, if it troubles you, he already knows that. Be honest with him and just talk to him about it. Children can be very creative in their prayers. And believe me, they take everything to God in prayer. Let me give you some. Dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There's nothing good right there now. Amanda. Dear God, thank you for my baby brother, but what I asked for was a puppy. Dear God, I bet it's hard for you to love all the people in the world. There are only four people in my family and I can't do it. Dear God, do you mean for giraffes to look like that or was it an accident? Dear God, please send Dennis Clark to a different summer camp this year. Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other if they had their own rooms. It works out okay with me and my brother. Dear God, I didn't think orange and purple went well together until I saw the sunset you made last night. Way to go. God cares about you and about everything that concerns you. We don't have to fight our battles by ourselves. We don't have to carry our burdens by ourselves. The God who promised never to leave us nor forsake us is not just standing idly by on the sidelines, but is waiting for us to invite him into the game to join us so that we'll be strengthened and filled and prepared to face this world. Prayer begins with God. It includes worldly needs. But I want you also to know that prayer involves listening because so often I think we spend most of the time just talking. We, prayer is listening too. Let me give an example. If, if the President of the United States called a conference of influential religious leaders in our world to discuss the moral climate of our nation and invited us to Washington, D.C., and he invited Billy Graham and Mother Teresa, I know she, and Alexander Solzhenitsyn and William Buckley and Jimmy Carter and Wayne Rowe. <laughs> do you think I'd go? I'd go. Sure, I'd go. What do you think I'd say? What do you think I'd say? How much talking do you think I'm going to do? With those folks gathered round, I'm going to do a lot of listening and a lot of remembering. Compared to the wisdom and experience in that group, I'm a child. And I'm thankful to be present, just to be counted among them. So I'm going to listen and soak up everything I can. If God is the one we meet with when we pray, doesn't it make sense to listen? The great spiritual leaders in the Bible surely did. How else could they say, the Lord said this, or this is the word of the Lord, or the Lord spoke to me, or the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to him? How could any of that actually happen unless they were actually listening? The older I become, the more I become convinced that listening 
is even more important than talking, sometimes in prayer. But I can promise you this. If you want to experience what you've never experienced before and hear in your heart what you've never heard before and rise from prayer with a peace and preparedness that will equip you as you've never been equipped before and take time to listen because God says, be still and know that I am God. And in that stillness, you can learn things you never dreamed or imagined. I want you to know tonight that prayer is not an accident. It's a decision. It begins with God and not with what I need. But it does include our world. And it includes listening far more than talking. And if you do that, I guarantee you, your prayer life will change. When Catherine was little, I used to love it when she would come and ask me for things because she didn't ask for too many frivolous things. And, and what she asked for, she really needed. And you know what? A lot of times before she asked for what she needed, I already knew it. But I just love for her to come and ask because it fostered a relationship of her dependence on her parents to help meet her needs. You think God doesn't know what we need before we ask? Of course he does. But he loves to hear his children spend time with him, tell them what's on their hearts and what's on their minds. He already knows it, but he loves to hear it because it fosters that sense of dependence of a child on a loving father who wants the very best for his children. Bow with me. Father, sometimes I'm afraid we do more talking about prayer than we actually spend praying. We have prayer meetings and we talk. And we have sermons on prayer and we talk. We read books on prayer. But the time we actually spend in prayer is all too brief. Because if we spent more time, it would be reflected in our lives, in our church, in our community, in our nation, and in our world. I'm convinced of it. And so, Lord, teach us to pray and help us learn to wait on you once we start. Let our prayers begin with you and include the needs of our world. Be a decision and include listening because we need to hear your voice if we're going to convey it to the world. And we want to be your channels of your word to those who need to hear it because people need the Lord and you're counting on us to share it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.